Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today I'm joined with Roberta Blevins, and she is getting pretty popular right now. She's been on The Vice, an Amazon Prime documentary about LuLaRoe. And guys, I'm kind of starstruck a little bit that she is on my podcast. And Roberta, I want to welcome you to my show. You're so sweet. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, you have kind of paved the way. For all of these people, you really have paved the way for uh, people to talk out about some of the things that's happened with any of their affiliation with MLMs, and that means multi-level marketing. So, but right now we're going to tell your story and what happened to you, and you can kind of give a brief synopsis or go into it however you want to do it, and then we'll talk more about how it affected you and all those things as we go along. So what got you started in multi-level marketing? So, you know, I was a young mom and I just wanted to be home. I was vulnerable. I was a a new wife and a new mom. And uh, the job that I had took me out of my home and I wanted to be home more. Uh, You know, it's a very common want and need. It's part of the American dream. It's what MLMs sell. So I really was sort of the perfect victim for MLM to come in and say, hey, we can give you everything that you're looking for, you know, if you just want to hop on this ride. And, And I said, yeah, let's go. And so... I joined LuLaRoe in 2016, March of 2016. I did as much research as I could at the time, looking up, you know, is it a pyramid scheme? Is it a scam? There really wasn't anything in 2016 negative about LuLaRoe. It was really just praise about how amazing the company was, how amazing this designer was. And and I came to find out later that a lot of it couldn't even be substantiated or fact-checked, and most of it was fake. Um, Surprise, surprise. But back then, you know, all you could find was really good publicity. And so I jumped in head first. I didn't even look for water. And I said, let's do this thing. I hit the ground running and was pretty successful with LuLaRoe. Joined at the right time because everybody else wanted to join. And they ended up being placed underneath my team. I was placed on a really high recruiting team. And the woman a couple above me had a lot of people kind of funneling in from YouTube and so she was placing them underneath everybody. So I tell people that I, I never really recruited because I really was mostly stacked. And then the people that I quote unquote recruited were people that came to me that said, hey, I have questions about LuLaRoe. I think I'm interested in joining. And then I would answer their questions based on my experiences and then they would join. So, I mean, I guess there was a, a bit of a recruiting aspect because I'm sure I made it sound awesome because right. <laughs> you never you never talk about the bad stuff. But I never actively like went out and looked for people. You know what I mean? Like, so with LuLaRoe, it was a little different than other MLMs in that aspect. But I was in it for, it was like from March of 2016 to September of 2017. So it's like 19, 20 months, something like that. And I was becoming pretty disillusioned in 2017. There was a lot of love bombing. There was a lot of, you know, oh, Roberta's asking a lot of questions. Let's give her a present. (laughs) I got like some shoes. I got jewelry. Let me ask you this. So, but what I remember you talking about, you were pretty successful in it. Like you were doing really well. Uh, Unlike a lot of people that don't do very well in these MLM scams, you know, the model is not the best for anyone going into these things. And they get your vulnerability and they get your, you know, your desperateness of, I want to stay home with my child. I don't want to have to have a full-time job, you know, and there you are ignoring your children and you've got a full-time job and you have to go to the post office every freaking day. And it's just, I can't even imagine. So when you started doing this, of course, you're talking really good things about it. Of course you are. But then is it, is it because when they started recruiting, was that the big clue to go, wait a minute, Why do we have to recruit to make money? No, because the way that they had it, like they made it seem like you really were training people. And I took that seriously. Mm. I spent money on training materials. Like I took external leadership courses and read a lot of books. I actually gifted a lot of my team members books on leadership and things like that. um, Because I really genuinely believed the hype of this, like it was a business. Like I know better now, but back then, like the way that it was presented, I was like, yes, I'm going to take this seriously. 
the buy-in was, you know, like it's really high. LuLaRoe back then, it was $5,000 just to start. It went up from there. And of course you're going to work your little tail off to make sure that, you know, that's a lot of money, especially when you're a new mom and uh, newlywed and you probably didn't have a ton of money to spend anyway. Right. So it's like, if I'm going to put this much money in, like I'm going to hit the ground running. Like that's why I think it's ridiculous when anybody makes the argument of like, they just didn't try hard enough. And I'm like, they paid (laughs) five thousand dollars like what do you mean they weren't serious and they didn't try like it's ridiculous right it's absolutely know, ridiculous and i was remembering uh some of your conversations because guys her podcast and i'll i'll tell you i'll tell you all about that <laughs> in a minute on her podcast she talks about all the things that you have to buy to further your success in the company whether it's hangers or you know hopping on zoom calls or buying whatever package of coaching things it is so that you can further and all it is is just you know giving the people up higher you know money in their pockets and you guys are still spending more money and then you're recruiting your own people so then you have no one to sell things to it's just it's it's madness to me (laughs) it is it's all intentional though i mean they all are cogs in the machine and they all are there for a reason and it all works really well. That's why it's continued to be so innocuous for the last 43 years and so commonplace that nobody ever questions it. Right. And, you know, it's funny because Deanne and her husband, they're both Mormon. And um, I've interviewed people who have left the Mormon church. And I know how um, staunch the Mormon church is. And that's another angle they use to pop their religion in. Hey, and I'm not knocking anybody's religion. But when you mix that with business, I don't think that goes over really well. I mean, and then they were telling you to do certain things. I remember you said you were at a convention and they were telling you to be a good wife and a good steward of your husband's money and just all these weird things. And then she would say like even more like personal things. I was like, what? Yeah, it was really culty. Yes. And, you know, when you're in this mindset and you're taking this so seriously as a business and then they throw these weird curveballs in there, you're like, wait, what? Okay. Like, um, I guess I could see where I could apply that. But it was weird. You know, I was not raised in a religious household but I have experienced many religious denominations. I love to learn about different religions and and go to different services at different churches and temples. To me, it's just, it's really interesting to see how other people worship. And so, you know, I was familiar with that because I had been to services at um, like the local ward with my Mormon friends, but it was weird to see it like in a business setting. And so that sort of like ding like that's weird let's file that away as a this probably should have happened and it just always stuck with me because mark would say something like you know i know not everybody here is of the lds faith but i am and i want to share like my favorite passages from the book of mormon and i'm just like going what is happening like (laughs) what is happening like they don't want us drinking coffee in here like the cruises are dry we're not allowed to have alcohol i'd be out I'd be anything out. on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, no yeah here we are on a Saturday morning and you're like preaching from the Book of Mormon. Like, what is going on? Wow. And it was just not to disrespect anybody's religion, no, 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 but I was yeah. like, there's a place for this and it is not at a legging convention. I, oh, and, and we got to talk about the leggings, girl, because, oh my gosh, I think at first they weren't that bad. They were actually kind of cute and we all bought into them. Um, I never actually bought any, but yeah, but then it just, well, you can tell my listeners what happened after that. Yeah. You know, there were some pretty cute prints in the beginning. I'm not like a Humpty Dumpty clown kind of person, like So those prints to me, I was like, that's obnoxious. I will tell you, sometimes I would open boxes and I would look at like four or five pairs of leggings that had squirrels on them. And I'd be like, oh, shit, like I'm going to be stuck with these squirrels forever. And then I would post them and they would sell out instantly. And it would be people like, oh, you know, like, oh, my husband loves hunting squirrels. I'm going to wear those when he goes squirreling. I'm like, what is happening right now? Like people would buy these. They always had these like really ridiculous reasons for why they were picking it, which was fine. People, I, it was odd that people always felt the need to like justify well, why but- they were buying those leggings. Remember, it was like Humpty Dumpty ones that were just hideous. Oh my God. And someone's like, I'm a preschool teacher and like we love Humpty Dumpty. I was like, girl, just take them. Like, take them <laughs> like I'm happy to get them out of well, my house. And you were trained, you were trained to just go crazy on your Facebook pages of, oh, I'm at this place in my life because of LuLaRoe and I bought this car because of, yes. And that's another thing. It was FOMO, total FOMO. And plus, they knew those prints would never be back again, correct? Right. Well, you know, there's like so many facets to this like 
They claimed that everything was limited edition. We found out later that that wasn't true. So we're selling these things as, hey, you better grab it if you see it, if you like it, because you might never see it again. Like I could literally sell it tomorrow. You could come to me the next day and be like, I finally decided that I'm a yes on those clowns. And I'm like, I just sold them yesterday. So it was like there was always this very big sense of FOMO, like buy it or you might never see it again in your size. It wasn't necessarily true. And then there was so much demand to keep up with the really crazy prints like those that we called unicorns, which is just anything that was highly sought after. To keep up with the demand of those, they had to have filler. And the filler were just these really weird prints on prints with like ugly flowers and like stripes in the background and like Aztec prints. It just was weird. And it was just like, what are they doing? So you'd get these boxes full of like either unsellable things that people are like, there's nothing that matches that because they were hideous. And so you're like trying to pair them with other things that people really wanted. Like you have these hideous prints. So you're like buy this black dress or this black skirt or black top, but you have to buy two or three pairs of these ridiculous prints to get it because then you had to like leverage what people actually wanted to try to sell what you had that people didn't really want. Like, I mean, it was obnoxious. Yeah, because you're on Facebook trying to, you know, hey, this will go great with that. And let me show you how cute yeah. this is with this. And then... Yeah, and then there there were some that you got that were like wet and moldy and oh girl. <laughs> it was horrible. I, I mean it just I always felt like I was a day late and a dollar short in Lula Row. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm the only person that I ever felt that way, but I literally always felt that way. Like it really is just it goes back to that sense of FOMO, like, oh man, I should have bought it yesterday. The prints that were coming out from the stuff that people bought yesterday are way better than the prints that are coming out from the people that bought stuff today. I should have bought yesterday or I should have done this. Um, I remember one time I was so excited because once you hit trainer, you got to go to this like really cool events. And then once I hit trainer, they were like, oh, there's so many trainers now. This is the last time trainers will ever get to come to this. And I'm like, are you freaking for real? Like I work my ass off and I get to go to one and like you take it away the second like I actually hit it. Like there were so many things like that in LuLaRoe that always made me feel like then what the hell did I even work to get to this point for? Like if you dangled the carrot, I got a tiny little bit of a taste and then you yanked it away and said, well, the next time you can taste it, it is at the next rank. Good luck. Well, yeah, and the thing is, they kept you on hold. People, when to my listeners, when you sign up for LuLaRoe, and I don't know if it's like this now, but when you sign up to do it, they would put you in a queue, and they would let you know when they would onboard you. It's like a Scientology term, and uh, don't even get me started on that. And <laughs> But no, um, they put you in a queue, so you are dying to start because you've given them your $5,000, so you're waiting for them to say, okay, you can start selling, and this is what you do, and you know, but they don't really give you instructions. Yeah. Everything's a freaking secret. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing. Like you would think, you know, I scraped all this money together. I scraped $5,000 together to join this business. I'm so excited to join this business. I'm going to join. And then they're like, well, yeah, no, but there's so many people that want to join that you actually have to get in line. And now you're going to have to wait like eight weeks. Yeah. I think most people would have been like, never mind, I'll find another business. And they don't but tell what you Lula that. what Rowe did yeah. is they turned it into like this really fun thing called the queue. <laughs> and it was like, oh my God, you're so excited. You get to join the queue today. And you're like, you guys what's had, the queue? You guys had Facebook groups. The queue groups. is just a fancy word for line, <laughs> yeah. right? But in the queue, you got to join this group on Facebook that yeah. was called like the queue yeah. or QBs or something like that. You got this cute little name. You were called QBs. Sometimes QBs got invited to like different trainings like, well, they're going to be joining soon. So we're going to let them in on this Tuesday webinar. Hey, to all the QBs out there today, like they really made you feel special while you're waiting in line. I mean, it's ridiculous. Disneyland doesn't even do this while you wait in line, you know, and it's the happiest place on earth. So not only do you get this Facebook group, you get to invite it on these webinars sometimes as like a special treat, but you also have your own webinar, which is called the Q Club. And like once a week, they do this Q Club call and they have people featured that have just recently onboarded to talk about how great it is once you finally get to join. And they talk about like how often they're onboarding people and what it looks like and what it's going to be like. I mean, it was complete, pure drivel. 
just to keep you excited about waiting in line. Right. Now, does that have anything to, to do with money? Yeah. Does that have anything to do with this bite model we've been talking about a lot? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just that's just grooming. Okay. okay. You're not even in the cult. You're not even in the cult yet. Right. You're just waiting to join. <laughs> you're, waiting to you're waiting outside the Church of Scientology like a Mervyn's commercial being like open, <laughs> open, open, open. Right. Yeah. I mean, come on. Oh. So you're waiting in this group like you you literally you've signed your paperwork, but no one's called you yet to buy anything. So you're just waiting. You're just literally waiting for the phone call. You're literally waiting to be called and say to get the phone call that says we're ready for your credit card information. Like that's what you're waiting for. Uh, And it was some people waited upwards of like 12 weeks in that line. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And so there was like all kinds of activities. Like everybody, like what's everybody use for their shipping? Let's talk about shipping. What's everyone going to use for their mailers? What shipping company are you going to use? Who's got the best rates? I mean, literally, that's what people would talk about in there. Oh, and so it's just grooming. this grooming and yes. grooming and grooming and grooming yeah. and getting you ready, getting you so emotionally invested and getting you so also financially invested, buying all of the supplies you need for when you get that call. Because once you get the call, you're getting your boxes like four or five days later. Okay. So you need to be ready once that call comes. Mm. So it's, it, that club is helping you. If your people are helping pick out paint colors, I'm going to turn my old baby's nursery into <laughs> this now. What color should I paint this wall? I mean, it was wild. But you know, you say it was grooming and it was because what they're doing is that's the lessons you're learning to know how to mail things, to know how to present things, to learn how to uh, go Facebook live, to make everybody else jealous, to make everybody think they're missing out. So that's what they're doing every single time. So they, ma- they were very smart doing this Q thing. I mean, it's it's true. Yeah. So tell my listeners what the bite model is and why you think this is kind of why they're a cult in that respect. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, LuLaRoe and MLM in general, uh, we call them commercial cults. And they do follow the bite model. The bite model was designed by Dr. Stephen Hassan using lots of research from other people. But he developed the bite model Uh, And it's four different ways that cults or high demand groups would control you. So you have your behavior, your information, your thought, and your emotion. And those are the four different ways that you can be controlled. And really, I think we say that you really only have to connect with like three or four under each letter to sort of be like, wow, okay, I'm in a cult. And it's very easy. There's a lot of times when you're first, you have a lot of cognitive dissonance and you're pre-contemplative of leaving your MLM that you would look at the bite model and you would be like, none of this is what I'm like. This is not happening to me at all. Oh, yeah. Sleep deprivation. What? My MLM doesn't deprive me of sleep. But then when you break it down and you really think about it, you know, I use the example sometimes with sleep deprivation in an MLM is like going to convention and being up all night all night at the party, all night in your hotel room with your girlfriends. Oh my God, it's so great to finally meet you. We're going to have champagne and laugh and giggle till three o'clock in the morning. And then we're waking up at 6 a.m. because we have to get ready for convention classes start at eight. So now you've got three hours of sleep and you're sleep deprived. And now you're going to convention to sit in hours and hours and hours of people using loaded coercive language when your brain is not fully functioning because it's sleep deprived. Right. Yeah. And so you're more susceptible to listening to these messages. You're more susceptible to not questioning it when someone says something that you might normally question and you just take it and go, oh, my God, that's so inspiring. She's right. <laughs> And you believe it. Yeah. And so it's like, yes, MLMs do deprive you of sleep. Also, those really like I talk to people from Amway and they go, dude, after I got off work, I had to go hang out at gas stations trying to get people to join my Amway team and talking to people and like till one o'clock in the morning. Oh, my God. Before they go home to wake up to go to their regular job. And again, it's sleep deprivation. It's it's manipulation of your time. This time freedom that you used to have that MLM promises that you now just for the first couple of years while you get your business up and running, you just have to make these sacrifices now. It sucks up all your time. And when it sucks up all your time, you get so much invested, your time, your energy, your sweat, your blood, your tears, your money. You're so unbelievably invested that you can't leave now. 
right. We're so close. Yeah. It's like sitting in the slot machine and pumping it full of money and being like, I can't leave. It's about to hit the jackpot. That's exactly right. Because here's the deal. You're paying for the conventions too and the airfare. <laughs> All right? of it. I mean, you know, not only are you paying $5,000 just to join LuLaRoe and hey, or take my money here, take my credit card. And then they say, you can't be successful if you don't do this. So you do that. Then that's more money. You can't do this if you don't do this other thing. So you do that more money. And oh my gosh, I just, so what was the thing? What <laughs> You're there about 20 months, give or take. What was the driving force for you to go no more? So it just, it became more and more culty for me. The deeper I got and the higher I got, the more culty it became, which is totally normal. Yeah. Um, and I had a lot of cult connections in my pre MLM life with Scientology and friends that had been involved. And I had read friends books and oh, wow. had friends um, that had been in uh, anonymous who had spoken out against the church and had protested. So I was very familiar with cults. I, I really was fascinated with Charlie Manson as a child and that whole cult mind control aspect. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I wasn't like aware. It's just MLMs don't look like cults in the beginning. No, very not. innocuously, I joined a business to sell leggings out of my living room. And over the course of 20 months, I realized, holy crap, like at some point there was a bait and switch and it went from selling leggings to me being part of a cult. Yeah. And I did, I, when I look back now, I notice it from probably at least the beginning of 2017, if not the end of 2016, where it was really heavy with the love bombing, with the gifts, with the gaslighting. That's not what you're experiencing. I'm so sorry. Please assume innocence. That's definitely not what's happening even though I oh felt like God. I had proof, I was holding it. I'm like, you're gaslighting me. I didn't yeah. know that's what it was called at the time. You know, now they're giving me presents, like they're love bombing me. I didn't know what it was called at the time. It felt very up and down, roller coaster abusive. And that's all I knew. Like, why are they being so mean and then so nice and then so mean and then so nice? Um, and it really, it, it felt like mean girl, high school bully type stuff. Right. And so I, I did have that, like, what is going on? And there was the group defective at the time. There was a blog that was being written at the time that I was reading, um, some different information that had sort of leaked from people that had left. And it piqued my curiosity because I had gotten information from my own team or people that had left. And there was, you know, like we had our own little group chats after we would have team calls that was like, what the hell was that? Like, why are they saying that? Like, that's yeah. not even true. Like, why wouldn't they do, you know, and we were already feeling that. And we were saying that we couldn't speak up and out out of our own team, my own team, because it would get deleted. And so we would have to take it to like little team group chats. Yeah. Um, and we're talking and going, what is going on? Like, Roberta, you're a trainer, you're a leader. Like, what's going on? I said, I have no idea what's happening right now. My friends are like, you got to tell me if you're leaving. And I said, as soon as I am leave, I'll let you know. Like, right now I'm not. I have no idea what's going on. I'm trying to get more information. I, I thought I was as, as honest as I could be when I left, not only like protecting myself and protecting those that are still in it, but like also sort of saying my piece, like, I'm done. Thank you so much. I will be not doing this anymore right. and distancing myself from it. Um, there was just so many things, but it just was really culty and they were lying and the, yeah, they were lying. Yeah. They would tell me. There was this whole thing with returns and like it was really messy and they were like all these people were leaving because of the buyback and there was this influx of old material and old product ending up in people's boxes. And so people started saying, are they sending us returns? Because at this point, LuLaRoe hadn't even paid the refunds of the returns. Oh, wow. So we're like, if you're not paying the people, but you're putting it in new boxes, so you're selling returned inventory that you haven't even paid for yet. Like, what's going on? Yeah, and they're yeah. like, no, 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 we're not selling the returns. And people are like, but I have them in my boxes. I'm like, no, that's not what that is. That's not what that is. That's weird. That's not happening. And, you know, you can believe that when somebody you don't know saying that. You're like, well, maybe they're just like lying or whatever. Right. But when it happens to you or it happens to your friend, you're like, okay, maybe they're not lying because it just happened to me. And so my cognitive dissonance was waking up. Yes. And cognitive dissonance for anybody that doesn't know is that uncomfortable Jiminy Cricket inside of your inside of your head. soul that's yeah, like yeah. this isn't so good. Yeah, well, you know, and, and um, Roberta, I was gonna say, um, what do you think got the attention of Amazon Prime or Vice? Those documentaries you were in. Okay. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So me leaving at the end of 2017, I had been speaking out against LuLaRoe just in defective and on like Reddit and in social media just privately in private groups and Facebook groups, like anti-MLM groups. 
I was still connected to LuLaRoe. I wasn't able to quit. They actually, I signed a contract signing, like, I'm no longer affiliated with LuLaRoe, and I transferred my team over, and it was the best way that I could get out of LuLaRoe. You weren't able to quit? I don't, what? Yeah, it was really strange. Um, What? There was a huge influx of people that were leaving, and it wasn't me personally that couldn't quit. They were trying to make it so that people couldn't leave because they couldn't keep up with this demand of returns. And so many people were leaving that like if you emailed the there was an email where it was like, hey, if you email this email, you know, like your resignation letter, they'll let you know and you can resign this way. So I email and it like bumps back like this email mailbox is full or like not accepting emails or something. So I was like, cool. So then I asked like, what's another way? And there was like a link on the website that was like, you know, you can fill out this form on the website, click here. And when I clicked it, it was linked to like nothing. It was this is not found. So I was like, oh, that's cool. So I was like, I don't know how to get out of this. You know, and you call and you're on hold for hours and hours. And I was like, I don't have time for this. Um, And so basically what I did is I just stopped selling. Yeah. And I figured because I was a big enough, I had a big enough team. And if I wasn't hitting my numbers, it would affect the people above me. And eventually someone would reach out to me because I would be affecting their, their bonuses too much. And that's exactly what happened about three, three months after I stopped. They said, are you planning on leaving? I said, look, I've tried to quit and I can't. So they ended up doing a a contract and I, I transferred the remaining people of my team to another person laterally. She gave me $500 for my trouble, which went to promptly pay bills. And then I was officially out of LuLaRoe. And so once I was officially out of LuLaRoe, I could speak. I felt legally I could protect myself because I was no longer affiliated, that I could speak my own truth. And so once that happened, I had already had people asking me and I said, look, I just need to do this. And so in January of 2019 or 2018, I started speaking to the media. Nice. And, um, I think I started talking to like the really, I mean, if you listen to the really early interviews with me, you can tell that I'm very newly out of MLM and that I don't see the whole systemic problem for what it is the way that I know now. It's really interesting to go back and listen to those really early interviews where I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't pinpoint it yet. Um, (laughs) so that's fun homework. So I talked to a couple different people and I got the attention of Bloomberg, so Bloomberg came out to my house because I was really one of the only people that was like, I'll talk. Wow. So they came out to my house and they did a little photo shoot, uh, talked to Bloomberg. That article led to just more BuzzFeed articles with Stephanie McNeil, who is the person behind the, the new documentary, The Rise and Fall of LuLaRoe. Um, so I was one of her early sources and helped her nice. just gather information for her articles um, and her exposés on LuLaRoe and, and was helping on the back end of that. And there was a couple of lawsuits that were happening and I had evidence and I was like, I'll help. So I was sort of doing that and that sort of just caught the attention of more people and Vice came to me and said, hey, we're interested in doing like a little mini 30 minute piece on, you know, leaving LuLaRoe. So many people have left. Are you, you know, like you've been speaking out publicly. Would you be willing to speak? And I said, sure. So it really was it was kind of reluctant, like just because I was one of the only ones that was doing it at the time. For me, it was passionate. Like I needed people to understand like, hey, look, I'm smart, educated, and I got duped too. Like, it's not it's not you because I know it's not me. Right. I was successful, and I still saw that this is bad. Like, it's not us. Because there's a lot of embarrassment with this stuff, right? Oh, there's a ton of embarrassment. Right. And I've dealt with so many hate comments of, like, you're an idiot. You deserve this. How can you join a pyramid scheme and not know? And it's like no one – there's no class that's like, here, how to not join a pyramid yeah. scheme that we can all just <laughs> yeah. take. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And pyramid schemes look so different on purpose. Like these are very meticulously planned and sophisticated scams that have like government collusion. So like stop telling people they're idiots for getting lured into these. It's just not true. Like it's done this way on purpose. Right. And so it's not fair to blame the victims. And that was something for me that I was like, there are, these are, these people are victims. And like, I don't want to be a victim. I want to be a survivor and I want to help create more survivors out of this. There's a bigger problem here. It's not us. Right. Like they don't get to sell us a bunch of crap and like lie to us and then be like, it's your fault. I'm like, no, it's not like you rigged the system. You set us up to fail. And then when we failed, you were like, "Mm, maybe you should have worked harder. Yeah, Like, no. Right. So you did. I knew there was a problem and I knew I had to speak out about it. Right. So you did the documentary for Vice and then you did the documentary for Amazon Prime for Lula Rich. And I watched the entire thing and I'm so 
fascinated by culty kinds of things, especially when very smart people like yourself get involved in these. Because you're right. It doesn't matter who you are. When it doesn't look like a pyramid scheme and doesn't act like a pyramid scheme, you don't think it is. And then you're just going about your business thinking, hey, look at this. I can make money. I, I can stay home with my children. We're back to the same old 180 thing again. And really what you're doing is spending more and more and more and more money supporting them. They're doing nothing in return and gaslighting you when you can't make the kind of money or even pay your bills because they're failing you too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So after Vice, you know, it blew up a little bit within the anti-MLM community, but it got the attention of Bly and Corey, who are the executive producers of Lula Rich. And in the summer of, let's think where we're at, the summer of 2020, they reached out to me and they said, hey, Roberta, we've been following you since the Vice documentary. Um, we love what you're doing. We love this story. We really want to tell a deeper version of this story. Like, would you be willing to help us with that? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I said, I've been waiting for so long for this phone call. Wow. Um, they were so lovely on the phone and so wonderful. I felt instantly connected and comfortable and safe with them. I never felt for a second that they would have ever taken advantage of our story for anything. You know, the truth is so much stranger than than fiction ever could be. So, you know, they came to me and we set it up and I filmed at the end in November of 2020. And it was a pretty quick turnaround. I think we were finished completely from like inception to completion. It was just a little over a year to get it out and, you know, reaching out to so many people and saying, Hey, look, someone big finally wants to take us seriously. Wow. Who's in? Are you ready? Let's go. And there were so many people that were willing to help. And it was unfortunate that not everybody that wanted to be in it was able to be in it because of scheduling conflicts or just, you know, there's no place because we only had four episodes. Um, But there's all these other like subsequent things that are coming out that people are able to participate in and, and get the story out. But for me, like anything that moves the story of not only LuLaRoe, but the anti-MLM message, like 100% I'm down for. Uh, And the cult message, too, because MLMs are cults. Absolutely. When you were in the documentary for Amazon Prime, and there is only four episodes, I know it's so deeply engraved in all these different kinds of aspects of what this thing is. I know they couldn't have covered all of it. But were you happy with the outcome and how they portrayed Deanne and her husband? Because, my goodness, the, the cover of that with her wildly looking weird face on it. That, <laughs> I th- but I thought the documentary was very good. So what were your thoughts on that? You know, like I lived it, right? So like I know all of the stories. I know all of the drama. I've sipped all of the tea, all of the nuances, everything. Like I lived it all firsthand. And I will never, ever, 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 ever be satisfied with anything that ever comes out because nothing will ever 100% tell the whole story. And I know that anybody that lived it feels the exact same way because we have this discussion anytime anything LuLaRoe comes out. They're like, they missed so much. And it's like, yeah, you know, that will always happen. But for me, and I've said this before, is like, I think with LuLaRoe, it hit on so many commonalities that people see in other MLMs. That when people in other in high demand groups like MLMs watched it, they related and they were like, oh, my God, I think I'm in a cult, too, because I got so many messages, so many people listening to the podcast, so many people reaching out to me, so many people following me on social media after Lula Rich came out saying, oh, my God, I watched Lula Rich. What you said hit home. I found you. I listened to the stuff that, you know, your content, and I just wanted to email you and let you know that I just quit Young Living. I just quit Herbalife. I just quit Amway. I just quit whatever. And I was getting so many emails of people connecting with the message and leaving their MLMs, which was like my entire intention of ever speaking out in the first place was like, hey, look at me. I'm not special in any other way other than for some reason, somebody wanted to talk to me, you know, but in terms of, in terms of like you and I, like, there's really nothing different. Like you can see yourself in me. Mm -hmm. And like, for me, it's really important that you can see yourself in me and that I'm relatable because it's, you know, like that's how the message continues is, you know, like I tell my story and then it gives people the courage to be able to say, Hey, I saw myself in that. I want to tell my story too. And we end the stigma of failure. Like, oh yeah, I tried Mary Kay. I'm not a sales lady. I failed. Oh, I tried that. I lost a thousand dollars. It's like, it's designed that way. 
So please, 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 please know that it's not you ever at all. And like, it's absolutely designed that way. And I just knew that it was more important to tell the truth than to like, let people feel like they were failures. That makes sense. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing here. Just the fact that no, you were gaslit. They were telling you you weren't working hard enough or you weren't doing enough things uh, on whatever end your side was to be successful. It was never on their end, their fault. It was always your fault. So if somebody were to want to get into something like this that really don't have a clue, let's just because my listeners, I normally don't cover these kinds of things. I've had another interview with one of your guests, uh, Lindsay Abel, who touched on it a little bit. What would be your advice to someone if they were approached or if they were even thinking of going into some MLM? Um, I know it would be no run, but what would what would be what would be the first things that would make you go, okay, wait a minute, think about this before you go in? What would be your advice? Right. So right, like the first advice is run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the reason I say that is really going to come down to numbers. I'm not a numbers person. I've never been good with math. My dad always used to tell me the reason he loved math so much is because there's like one right answer. Right. Uh, And he was always confident, like, that's the right answer. There's one right answer. There's no debating this. And so I always thought that in my head. So when it comes to MLM, we're just going to look at the numbers. The first thing you're going to want to do when anybody approaches you, if you're really seriously considering joining, is you're going to want to find the name of the company. If they're not willing to give you the name of the company, that's the biggest red flag ever. And just don't even talk to that person again. Okay. If they are willing to give you the name of the company, you need to do your own independent research. And that's not by asking people who are already in the company what they think about the company because you're only going to get praise. Mm. You need to ask someone outside of the company, maybe somebody that has been in the company but has left the company, somebody that maybe is a customer of the company, what they think about the company. And then you're going to want to check on the internet. You're going to want to look for that company's income disclosure statement. Mm. Now, MLMs are one of the only companies that are like actually exempt from producing an income disclosure statement for some reason, but MLMs don't have to have one. So if your MLM does not have one, if you look for one and you cannot find an income disclosure statement, that is the second biggest red flag and you should stop looking immediately and move on. If you can find an income disclosure statement, you're going to want to look at that because that is going to tell you how much people are making in the company. Some are very, very detailed and some will give you like even down to the percentage of people that have been in for over a year and how many percentage of people that have been longer than a year purchase product. Like it's really crazy. Some of the data that you can get on these documents. Sometimes it's three lines that are like 50% of the people in this company make $150 or more a year, which is like so vague. So it'll have to come down to like what you feel is good enough information. If you feel like you're reading this and it's super vague, That's probably going to be a really big red flag for you as well. And again, leave it in the dust. What you're also going to find when you look at these income disclosure statements is the percentages between 90 to 95% of the company is going to be making most likely less than a few thousand dollars a year. Wow. So the majority of the company is making below poverty level, um, which for me should, you know, speak volumes. Um, And then these numbers, they don't include any expenses at all. They don't include even the money that it costs to join. So a lot of times you look at this and it's like, you know, 87% of the company made $72 for the year. And I'm like, but it costs $99 to join. Yeah. So like they're already in the negative because they haven't even made back that $99. They've only made back 72. Yeah. So that's really important to look at. Um, if you look at the income disclosure statement and you're still like, but I'm not average, I'm a really good salesperson. I have a really good sales background and I would never be average. I would definitely be in the upper echelons that are making these bigger numbers. The next thing you're going to want to look for, if you're going to continue to think that this is a good idea, is you're going to want to look at the company's compensation plan. Mm. And the compensation plan is going to tell you how you make your money. Some compensation plans are incredibly confusing. Most are confusing, but some are incredibly confusing. This is all intentional. Mm. This is all meant to confuse you to the point where you're like, this is so confusing. Like, I'll just, once I get in and I, once I get there, I'll just figure it out. It's not a card game. It's not a board game. You don't just sort of play until you figure it out. Like you really need to understand what the compensation plan is and what is required of you when you go into joining these companies. A lot of people like to say, oh, you don't even have to recruit. You can just sell the product to your friends. Like it's not about recruiting at all. But what you see is in these compensation plans within the first one or two levels, it is required to have somebody underneath you to move up the ladder. Mm -hmm. 
So even though at the very bottom, it is not required to have anybody underneath you, you look at those levels that the not average person would definitely be making and you go, well, I have to have like three superstar diamonds and four quadruple diamonds and 10 regular diamonds underneath me to hit this level. Well, what's a superstar diamond? Well, a superstar diamond has this many di- and you, you count it up and you're like, I need to have at least 27 people underneath right. me to be at this level when you break it down you know like do you know 27 people that would join do you even know seven people that would join that would know 20 more people that would join yes and so that's where this exponential aspect starts to come into play this math we're doubling this and doubling this and doubling this to create this utopian idea of everybody has unlimited income and everybody can be successful like falls flat as a fallacy because it's it's mathematically impossible. Just not everybody can be successful. That's some of the best advice, guys, seriously, because I've had friends that have been in multi-level marketings and they've gone from one to another to another and they all end up the same. And uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where if you're willing to give up your money and your time and your family time or your marriage or whatever it is that you're giving up for nothing, um, please think again on this kind of stuff. Because I was approached, somebody wanted me to do things for them. And I, I just said no. And of course, we're no longer friends. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Because I wouldn't support your whatever you were in. I don't I don't even remember what it was. But I, I'm not one of those things. If I want leggings, I'll go to Target. If I want makeup, I'll go to CVS or Target or Sephora, you know, it's one of the, I'm so practical. I was like, why do I have to go to someone's house to buy kitchenware? Why do I have to go to someone's house to buy makeup when I just buy the over the counter stuff and it works just fine. And I'm not paying, you know, $300 for a whole kit when I can just go and pay $30 for everything I need. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, some of the statistics of MLM is just, it's crazy. Like when all is said and done, 99.7% of people are going to lose money in multi-level marketing. Like that's across the board. That's over 350 MLMs analyzed like the income disclosure statement, the math, through the ringer to figure it out. 99.7% of people lose money. That's wild. Yeah, and these businesses, they'll fail, but then they'll come back under another name, but selling the same thing or something improved or whatever it is. And it's just some other gimmick scam that these poor people are falling victim to because they want to, if nothing else, make the money up that they involved into it already. So, yeah. yeah. You know, and, you know, people like to say, well, why can't I just buy, you know, some pots and pans from my sister just to support her, right? Like, I get it. I get it. You think that buying your sister's Tupperware or her leggings or whatever is actually supporting her. I get it. And from the surface and what MLM is telling her to tell you, absolutely it looks like that but it's not that at all what it is is you are her warm market you are the people that she knows she can count on Mm. to to buy these things right so she goes a few couple months and her warm market's like okay fine yeah sure i'll buy another i I needed a picture summer's coming up i want to make lemonade i'll buy a tupperware picture whatever i'll I'll, I'll support you this month eventually you're not going to support her tupperware business anymore you're just not going to need it right and She's going to have this false hope of like the first three or four months I did really good. I made a ton of money. Like my family supported me. My friends supported me. We had everybody had a party, but that's not sustainable because the warm market is going to drop off really quickly. Right. But now at this point, you've had such success in your first couple of months. You've reinvested everything that you've made because, oh, my gosh, at this trajectory, you're going to hit whatever by this time next year. Oh, my God, you're a superstar. Right. This is all, again, a completely intentional. So you get in and now you're in too deep. Now you've invested so much where you get to the point where you're like, oh, crap. Like, oh, my God, like our whole guest room is filled with Tupperware. Okay. But like I got a lot yeah. of it for free. So that's yeah. fine. And I can just give it as Christmas presents. And that's fine, too. Like, oh, some couple people are getting married in baby showers. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. This is totally fine. But it's not. Because she has all this stuff and she believes that this business is viable and that she can continue this business and she's going to have this trajectory and it's going to sustain. So she's going to invest so much more energy, time, effort, and her sunk costs are going to go up. And so when her sunk costs go up higher and she gets into this fallacy of what I put into this business is worth more than what the business is actually worth, she will continue to stay stuck in this MLM 
perpetuating the scam. And because she doesn't have her warm market to support her in the very beginning, like she did, now she's having to spend her own money to maintain the ranks that she easily hit in the beginning. And she's now spending more of her own money. And now she's not making anything at all. And she's now deep in and she doesn't know how to get out anymore. So So you're not helping her by supporting her in the beginning. And she's so deep, she can't tell you I'm leaving the company even though you bought all the stuff for me and it's the best stuff in the world, but I can't admit that it was not a good situation for me and my family and my children and my time and all the things and my financial situation. Yeah, so... Hard to admit too, right? Like for the last five years, I've told you that you should be drinking essential oils and that they're going to cure your cancer. And I've learned differently and I lied the whole time and I am so sorry. And it's actually really bad for you to be adjusting oils. And it actually, in fact, doesn't cure anything, but maybe your mood. And I'm so, so sorry. I scammed you for five years. That is really hard to not only come to terms with on your own, but to then say out loud to the people that you victimized unintentionally and unknowingly who are the people in your life that you love the most. It is a very, very vicious cycle. And it is very, very hard to admit that. But that's what my podcast does. Like, that's literally what we do is we end that stigma of feeling that way so that people don't have that fear of being like, you know what, I, I did that. And I'm really sorry. And I've learned better. And I'm doing better now. Oh, and guys, I got to talk to you about Roberta's podcast, uh, Life After MLM. It is fantastic. She just started it, I think, last February of 2021. She's got like over 1.2 million downloads. She's got only 77 episodes in, if that tells you anything. She's just kicking bottom on this thing. And I tell you, every single one, I'm fascinated with it because it's a different story, but it's kind of the same, but it's just jaw-dropping things. I'm just like, how is this still how is this first of all legal? And I know the government kind of backs some of this stuff. So I guess that's how. But it's just it's so incredibly interesting to me how it affects people. Hence why I have this podcast. But hers is fantastic. So and I'm going to add all of her information to my show notes because Roberta, I know you don't have a lot of time. And I know you probably get a lot of people wanting to talk to you. But you said yes to me. And I so appreciate you just talking to me because I'm I'm fascinated by this. And I I love the documentary. And I know it didn't cover everything. But it certainly scratched the surface. And maybe they'll come back with more episodes. Do you think they will? I would love that. I would absolutely love that. I'm not sure what they're planning on doing. I know that people are interested and they've been asking. So we'll see. But I would absolutely love. I was interviewed for like over 10 hours. So there's lots of stuff in there that was left out. Yeah, yeah. Because you were you were in it here and there. But yeah, there's not 10 hours of you in it. So yeah, or any of the people in it. Yeah. Now you have this you have a new one coming out. Is that right? There was a new LuLaRoe documentary that just came out called The Rise and Fall of LuLaRoe. I was not involved in that just because of time conflicts, but a couple of my friends are in it um, and there are new stories. So if you haven't seen the new one because you're like, ugh, another LuLaRoe documentary, there are similar things, but the Venn diagram of the two, there are definitely a lot of differences. It goes more into sort of like the racism and the tokenism of LuLaRoe and MLM. It goes into like the fast fashion and the sweatshop aspect of LuLaRoe and it tells more of a story of Sam who you met in Lula Rich. He's kind of like that scummy one that um, you kind of were like, why do I not like him? I'm not sure why. Yeah. Um, you learn why you don't like him. In the rise and fall of Lula Row, you meet a couple of his victims and they tell their story of what wow. Sam did to them. So if you like Juicy Tea, I think it's a really good yeah. uh, documentary. And it's wonderful to see a lot of people that I care about being able to have a platform to Absolutely. tell their stories as well. And what is, is what network is it on? Is it on Netflix or what's it on? Discovery Plus. Oh, Discovery Plus which is fantastic. Wow. Okay. See, these big networks are picking you guys up, Roberta. This is kind of, this is jaw dropping. This is big. I mean, I'm, I'm so proud that you're paving the way because you are kind of the one that started this whole situation or you and maybe a couple other people, but for sure you. I will say that probably like the anti MLM community, as we know it today, I would say probably started in 2018 mm-hmm. and it was me and there's a woman named Kira who's, who's MLM Mombi, a woman named Courtney who's the anti-MLM police, um, Jessica James, a couple like old school anti-MLM advocates back early in the days who started speaking out 
There's a lot of people on YouTube that were talking about it as well. And it sort of just started to grow. And I noticed when I joined the anti-MLM community, like I said, like there were a lot of people that were like, you guys are idiots and you deserve this. And I felt like there were only sort of two viewpoints. It was either you're an idiot for not being in an MLM because it's the wave of the future and it's like the best thing ever, or you're an idiot for joining MLM because you should have known better. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, these are genuine victims. Like these are people who were lied to and thought like that they were being given something really good and wonderful for their families and their lives. And they were like raked through the coals. And I don't think they're idiots. And I don't think that we should call them that, you know, so those sort of things really upset me. And that was one of the reasons that I even started talking to victims, educating about anti MLM with these other women. There was a lot of early YouTube videos and early podcasts that all sort of started in the very beginning. That's all morphed into what it is today. So I, I definitely was there in, in the early days, yes. but uh, I will always say, uh, because it has always been a very big group effort from a lot of very unbelievably passionate women who just didn't want other people to have to go down the same road they did. Thank God you're doing I'm so happy you're doing it because I think it's really going to be helpful. And I think you're getting the message out, uh, certainly to me, and I'm not even in it. But boy, I, I'll stay very clear because there, there's people not all the time, but I've had other people ask, hey, it's always a recruitment, but they say it's not. And I look into it and it is and I, I still wouldn't do it just because I, I don't need to see that sounds terrible. But it's just the truth. I don't need the crap. I don't need it. You know, I'm perfectly fine the way I am. But they get the people that are very I'm not their demographic. Uh, they get people that are new moms or people that need the money or just out of a divorce or whatever it is. And guys, just be very, very careful when you're approached. And uh, like I said, look up Roberta's podcast uh, Life After MLM. It's on Spotify, Apple or anywhere you listen to podcasts. She's fantastic. She's got a TikTok and tell them your handle on TikTok, Roberta. Oh, yes. My handle on TikTok is Berta Like Whoa. You can find me on Twitter as Berta Like Whoa as well. Uh, we have a good time over there. We do some education, yeah. some fun videos, some behind the scenes of my life. Um, sometimes people care about that stuff. But, <laughs> you know, I like to share a pretty good chunk of what we're doing and um, sneak peeks and things like that. It's a good time. And yeah, you know, if, if you're interested in learning more about MLM, the systemic nature of it, why the government's involved, how the government's involved. I not only talk to the victims and the survivors of these companies, but I talk to other advocates and experts in their fields. And we talk about the religious aspect. We talk about the cult aspect. We talk about the cult language, the bite model. Like we talk about it all. And it's white collar crime. It's con artists. It's everything. It's scams. It's frauds. It's flim flams. If it fits into my niche, like I will, we will dive in and, and we will dissect these things to uh, to not only show people what the red flags look like, but also what they sound like so that you can listen for them and you can hear them coming. Because it's not just seeing a post on Facebook. It's hearing the infliction and the voice and the way that they say things and the, the emphasis on words. And uh, you you can pit once you see it and you hear it, you can you can spot it a mile away and then you don't ever have to worry about <laughs> getting scammed again. <laughs> right. Well, and that that's the thing. I mean, if nothing else, if you can save people money and time and maybe a little sanity, uh, I think that's absolutely worth it. And I'm proud of you for this movement. And uh, God bless you, girl. And I, I really appreciate you coming on my podcast. You've been fantastic. Yeah, it was super fun. I'm so happy. I, I hope people are interested and they want to learn more because we have a really good time educating about these commercial cults and uh, how to get even just how to get your loved ones out of them in a, in a way that's actually effective. So yes. lots of things to learn. Yeah, well, I appreciate everything you do. And uh, girl, have a wonderful rest of your day. And we will talk soon. Yes, thank you so much. It was lovely being on the show. Thank you. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.